Let's get back to the drive on the home of the Sens, TSN 1200. Now, it's time for Need to Know Basis. Welcome back. Hour number four of the drive. Lever Sage, AJ Jackie, back, back, Cons Vita. Sens game day. AJ, what do we need to know? Yeah, it's a Sens game day. Yeah, but that's leading you into the things about the game. You know, like the pregame, like the lineup, like the opponent, like the time, all those things that you'll have for us. You don't know what I'm going to have. So why don't. It's a Sens game day on TSN 1200 tonight. But I feel Pre-game like Pregame shows at 7 o'clock. Nice. Puck drops at 9 o'clock. Excellent. Shortly after. Dean Brown, Gord Wilson from the United Center. Uh, it's Alex Debrinkett's return to Chicago. He's played against them once. This will be his first game back at the United Center since he was traded from the Blackhawks. The third game for Jacob Chikrin after his big goal and one assist performance on Saturday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Sands going with uh, the same group that they beat Columbus with on Saturday. Again, 7 o'clock, 9 o'clock, all right here on TSN 1200. Ryan O'Reilly on LTIR with a broken finger. Uh, Buffalo Sabres, the only other team in the mix with Ottawa in action tonight amongst those seven teams battling for two spots. And uh, they're taking on the Edmonton Oilers. Some news out of the NFL, the New Orleans Saints set to sign Derek Carr. That means all four NFL South teams will have a new starting quarterback in 2023. The last time that happened within a division, about 1973 in the AFC West. Uh, Meantime, the Kansas City Chiefs expected to release defensive end Frank Clark as they were unable to come to renegotiate his contract. And the NFL has reinstated Jacksonville receiver Calvin Ridley. Soccer, Neymar, his season is done uh, after season-ending ankle surgery. At the Briar, big win for Team Canada over Quebec right now. 8-7 the final. Two unbeaten teams left. They're both from Alberta. The Kevin Cooey team and the Brendan Botcher team. Mike McEwen of Ontario, 2-2. Two so, two. Sorry, three undefeated teams. Matt Dunstone, also undefeated. Okay. Up to 3-0 and with a win this afternoon. Callie Pockernick and Kevin Otu are the OUA Athletes of the Week. Pockernick helped lead the Carlton Ravens women's basketball team to the title this weekend, while Otu helped lead the Ottawa GGs to the OUA men's title, both off to nationals, along with the Carlton Ravens men. And Eastern Ontario Junior Hockey League, it is. Athens at Perth tonight, 7.30 start in Perth. Game one of that best of seven conference semifinal. And that is what you need to know today. Well, it's a big night. Can I bring you something else quickly that just came across my timeline? Okay. According to the Rich Eisen Show, Tom Brady might not be, quote, done after all, end quote. Folks are saying keep an eye on Miami. No, not Miami. I know it's hard to believe. I know it's hard to believe, but uh, there you have it. Tom Brady maybe not so retired after all. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) That's why I brought it up. I wanted this reaction from you, Lever Sage. Good. If... If the Miami Dolphins are stupid enough to bring Tom Brady into a pretty good team, Tua's been very good for them. He's better than Tua. Right now he is? He was better last year than Tua. 
And Tua's got concussion problems. You're also going to get less drama off-field with him this year than you would have this past year. Do you know Tom Brady? Not personally, but I do know that last year he was going through a failing marriage, whereas now that's not the case anymore. Now his marriage has already failed. It, It clearly makes sense because I don't think Tom Brady retired because he thought he was done. I think Tom Brady retired because he probably wanted to play in Vegas, but understood that that would mean he's not seeing his kids very often, right? If his kids are in Miami and he's in Vegas, that, that's going to be very tough. Now, right, if there's an opportunity to play in Miami, that's why he wanted to play in Miami the entire time. Right. That's why he came back and then realized he couldn't get out of Tampa. I mean, I t- we said this, I told people this two years ago that he wanted to go to yeah. Miami. He was going to be the quarterback of Miami. You just, like, I, I'd like to see him back. I, the NFL is a better league with its better athletes. And he's still one of the, like, he's going to go down as one of the best to play the game. Mm-hmm. Right. Like right now, you would say he's probably the best quarterback that's ever lived. He's won seven Super Bowls, right? Well, he is the best quarterback, yeah, that's ever lived. I, I'll say I say that though, and I think Mahomes has played at a higher level, but Mahomes has only played five years, right? Mm-hmm. And so, to me, it's not going to be if Mahomes gets to six and Brady got to seven that oh well, Brady's the best. Well, it doesn't work that way, right? No, but let's wait to see if Mahomes let's, can get. Yeah, I mean, these are the best five years I think we've ever seen from a quarterback. Mm -hmm. Can he bring it for another 10? He doesn't need to bring it for another 20. Can he bring it for another 10? No, I I agree with all of that. But but the league is better mm -hmm. with Tom Brady playing as long as Tom Brady can still play at a particular level. It's not going to be top five in the league, but it's definitely top 15 in the league. So if Tom Brady's going to play another year in the league, even though I'm kind of tired, like the Brett Favre saga of I'm playing. No, I'm not playing. I'm retiring. No, I'm not retiring. Then you know what? It's better for football. I agree with that. I don't think the best fits in Miami. That's all. I don't know that he's he makes that team a whole lot better at his age right now. Maybe a couple of years ago, he would have. But I'm not a Dolphins fan, so I don't care. And maybe Dolphins fans would love him. You're a fan of their coach? I am. Yeah. Can you imagine Tom and Mike's interactions? Oh. I don't think that would go very well. Hey, hey Tom, what do you want to run? I want to run the play that you think, I think, is going to end up with the best chance of us going down the field and scoring a touchdown. And this is what Tom would say. No, I'm good. Thank you. The... Anyways, I agree with everything you said about Brady, and the league would be better if he was back in it. I just don't think Miami's the right place for him. Vegas could be. It's funny. The NFL's, the NBA has kind of dominated in terms of the offseason and drama, and I feel like the NFL's taken over, with all due respect. There's still a lot of drama in the NBA and the stars and all that type of stuff, but I feel like the NFL the last couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. For for a long time, if you wanted off-season drama, 
you were turning to the NBA. But now I feel like it's turned. Because can you imagine if Tom Brady is playing in Miami and Lamar Jackson's moving teams and Aaron Rodgers is moving teams, right? Last year we saw Russell Wilson mm-hmm. move teams. Like it, it truly has turned into a bit of a 365-day-a-year league, even though they play a way shorter time period than the other leagues in North American sports. More time for off-season drama. Yeah. I, that's exactly it, right? And it starts with the quarterbacks. And if the quarterbacks are all staying put, then there's probably not going to be as much drama. But when you've got a couple, they're, they're different people, but let's be honest, there's a lot of drama with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. To the point where they are recognizable outside the sport. I would agree. Both better figure it out because I, I guess what I would say to you, they're two of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game. Tom Brady, I think is the greatest and Aaron Rodgers, you know, has a claim wherever you want to put him. He's been an awfully good quarterback for a long time, right? Like he's in the, the great category, but this year, no matter where Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady play for the first time in a long time, I don't feel the same about those guys being just because Aaron Rodgers is going somewhere and Tom Brady's going somewhere that suddenly that's a Super Bowl favorite. I would have thought that forever and ever and ever. No matter how much dislike I had for them, if Aaron Rodgers went somewhere two years ago, four years ago, six years ago, they're an instant Super Bowl favorite. I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah. Interesting times for sure. All right. Um, Maybe Washington but, can get one of those guys. We'll see. Just saying. We'll see. The 32nd best organization, according to, <laughs> yeah. according to NFLPA. All right, back to what we were uh, about to talk about when the Tom Brady on again, off again saga. So Eric Brandstrom played. And that's exactly where I was going. Really? We didn't even talk about that. Yeah. I don't I like the well, fact I, that I, we're that in sync. I wanted to talk about the defense. So yeah, well, go on. Well, just the difference, right? Like Holden plays on Thursday, Brandstrom plays on Saturday, and Brandstrom will play again tonight. Yeah. To, I guess, what first of all, what do you think, if anything, of the differences in the defense? One's on the road, one's at home. So I guess it's a little different there, but do you think Brandstrom's a better fit? I don't think it really matters tonight that you're, you're throwing your defenseman out there. You're, you're kind of facing a, it's better than an AHL lineup, but not by a ton. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not like, it's not like you're up against the Blackhawks in 2010 and Andrew Ladd and Dustin Bufflin and Christopher Stieg and David Boland are coming at you on their third and fourth lines. <laughs> They'd be lucky to have that on their first line here tonight. So I think my my point about the defense that I wanted to bring up tonight is just the slotting. And you look at Saturday night, and you look at the ice time, and, you know, Thomas Shabbat played over 25 minutes, right? Coming off a night where he played under 20, which isn't the norm for him, and he wasn't hurt and played 19 minutes, right? A, a pretty good shot against the bow, across the bow, I think, in the sense that, look, Thomas, 
You've been the guy here. That's great. But we need a better game out of you, a more consistent game out of you. And if we get that game, we know you're capable of bringing it. We see it a lot, but we need to see it a little bit more. You're not going to be playing 20 minutes or 25 minutes every night if you're not bringing it, right? And I think that's a good thing. But just looking at the the slotting and these numbers, right? 25-35 for Shabbat. It was 20 minutes and 46 seconds for Zub. It's 18.53 for Chikrin, and those numbers are only going to go up, right, once he gets more comfortable with systems, more comfortable around his teammates, all that type of stuff. Uh, Jake Sanderson, 18.40. Travis Hamannick, 17.27. And then Eric Branstrom, 15.42. And I think, I think to me, the exciting thing is now, I don't think, no matter who the pairings are, I don't feel like there's an uh-oh moment, no matter who's on the ice. whereas you know, especially pre-Sanderson, right, these last few years. Whenever Thomas Shabbat was on the ice, you were like, okay, you should be okay here. And then everything else made you a little bit nervous, home or away. But now I feel like home or away, okay, yeah, you're going to be able to control things a little bit more at home, but you should be able to throw out pairings that you're comfortable with in any situation against any line. Now you're going to have your preferable situations in terms of who you want when you need a goal, a little bit more offensive-minded. Who you mm-hmm. want when you're trying to shut down. Different situations for sure, but I don't think they should be nervous about any type of situation, especially on the road, going into this trip where it's like, uh-oh, we got to throw this pairing out. Let's hope and pray we get to the next shift because we can't play everybody else 30 minutes a game. Your point is that Shabbat, Sanderson, or Chikrin are going to be on the ice at all times. Right? Yeah, potentially, but even even if it's Brandstrom and Zub or something like that, right? It doesn't doesn't mean I want to finish the game with that line, but I'm not going to be mm-hmm. sitting there crossing my fingers, needing to get 40 seconds out of this shift so that we can get the next guys out there. I feel like every pairing should be pretty comfortable as long as these guys stay healthy, and it's just a completely different situation. For the entire team. I'm sure if you're a player sitting on the bench and in past years when you're seeing some of the pairings that have been thrown out there, right? Mm -hmm. You're probably sitting on the bench a little bit nervous waiting for the next shift, especially if, you know, the big boys on the other team are going up against them, whether it's a, a Pasternak line, the point line, the Matthews line, whatever, you're playing Edmonton, right? They've seen Edmonton a lot the last few years. And and I think that's part of the reason why Edmonton has torn Ottawa up. And now I'm really excited, end of this trip, to see them go up against Dreisaitl and McDavid when they've got a full complement of defensemen where they should be in terms of their slotting. That should help, even though, right, you, you should be able to get your better matchups at home. But on the road, other teams are going to be able to take advantage of your matchups, and they'll still be able to do it, but not to the same extent that they have in the past, especially, like you said, if they continue to go with three left defensemen in Chikrin, Sanderson, and Shabbat. Right. Also wanted to get into the fact here before the break, you mentioned Edmonton. Well, they're in Buffalo tonight. I'm curious to see if you're going to give me some stats. Well, I can give you this. 
to say that I didn't think it would be this way. When you talk about some of the top teams in the league. Sorry, I'm just my computer froze. My computer froze right at the wrong time, but just the goals for. Yeah, they scored 23 right? goals. I So I've got some numbers here. They scored 23 goals in their last five games when Jack Campbell has started in goal. And if I'm not mistaken, they've lost every one of those games, either in regulation or, or in overtime. Uh, that's almost five goals a game. You've- if If you can't get... If you're not winning every game in this league when you're scoring 23 goals in five games, there's some real trouble. And look, I think they're going to have to go. I mean, unless Campbell turns it around, it feels like it's almost trending. 882 save percentage. It kind of feels like it's trending in a Corey Schneider way. (laughs) Right? You're getting that type of run support. You're getting 23 goals in five games. And you're losing every night? Like that, that's problematic. That This is a five-year contract for Jack Campbell. But the point that you brought up at the beginning of the year, the elite scoring teams, and they don't always win. The Edmonton Oilers and the Buffalo Sabres are one and three in yeah. the league, respectively. Boston's two. Yeah, in goals four. And, and so- I think that, I think both, like, Buffalo's trending in the right direction, and I feel like Edmonton, as long as Dreisaitl and McDavid are there, they're going to have a chance. But... Holy cow, they need somebody to stop the puck. And it's not all on the goaltending there, but 882 save percentage. The the underlying numbers, right, didn't look good. Kyle Dubas, give him credit, right? Because Toronto's situation in goal doesn't look secure either. And that's why I went and gambled on Matt Murray, and it looks like it wasn't a good gamble. And, and Samsonov, at least, has been able to carry the mail for them. but. They weren't going to give Jack Campbell what he wanted. And the underlying numbers told us, right? Kevin Woodley came on this program and told us that even though the numbers in terms of actual save percentage looked all right, that the underlying numbers didn't look great. And guess what? He's been he's been a flop. There's, there's no other way to put it. He's been an absolute flop for the Edmonton Oilers. So that... Yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do. When you when you get that type of run support and you're not winning games, to me, the only option is going with Skinner, but he's a young guy. Like I, I think they're going to have to go with him in the playoffs. I don't think there's an, an, another option, but you would in an ideal world, Mike Smith would have been healthy enough to give him one more year and, and kind of rotate with Skinner, and then you'd go find somebody else in the offseason. But like Ken Holland's done some real good things there. I love what they've done with the Eckholm trade, but... That goalie move in Edmonton, especially with the term, with a five-year deal, that looks like it's trending towards a big swing and a miss for the Edmonton Oilers. The Buffalo, yeah, the Buffalo Sabres in Edmonton, it's over under seven tonight. <laughs> yeah, I take the over. It's got, it's got I, to get to eight. Do we know who's in goal? Yeah, it's got to get to eight to win. Do we know who's in goal for Edmonton? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I'll have to find out, but... That would have to get to eight for you to win that bet. 84 goals. The difference in what the Oilers have allowed and the Boston Bruins. 84. 
The Bruins have allowed 84 less. Well, Skinner's starting in goal tonight. So there's that's good news for Ottawa fans, right? Because okay, Ottawa fans are hoping for an Edmonton win here tonight, right? You, you should be able to take care of business on your own in Chicago, but you're hoping you're hoping for an Edmonton win and preferably in regulation. And the fact that Stuart Skinner's playing in goal, that's good news because when you need more than four and a half goals to win games because your other guy's in net, that's not ideal. All right, come back with more of The Drive on TSN 1200. Let's get back to The Drive on the home of the Sens, TSN 1200. Welcome back to The Drive. Lever Sage, AJ Jack, Quebec Mac, Connors Vita. Ottawa and the Blackhawks tonight. 9 o'clock, drop of the puck. 7 o'clock, the pregame. Um, ben Pope is the Chicago Blackhawks beat reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times. He posted the lineup tonight for the Chicago Blackhawks, but before it, wrote, Behold, arguably the worst roster ever assembled in the cap era in the National Hockey League. Here are the Blackhawks practice lines. Strong words from a beat beat reporter from the team. But... Not exactly a who's who in the National Hockey League tonight. Yeah, but read the lines. Read the lines. Athens CU with Reichel and Kurashev. T. Johnson with Gutman and Radish. And Whistle, Dickinson, and R. Johnson. Kachuk, Kahara, and Anderson. We got the Jones brothers playing together, not brothers, C. Jones and S. Jones on defense with Tenorti and Murphy, England, Mitchell, Zaitsev, the seventh defenseman. In, yeah, they are brothers, by the way. They are. Caleb K- and Seth. Caleb yeah. and Seth. And then Alex Stalock looks to make the start tonight, was in the starter's end. Yeah, look, there's a, not, there's a lot of names I'm familiar with there, right? There's, guy, there's a lot of guys mm-hmm. that maybe haven't played a ton of games in the NHL mm-hmm. that... You know, the Kachuks and the Radishes and the Entwistles that were really good juniors and guys that played in the World Juniors. And sometimes all they need is an opportunity, right? So, like, it's not like they're bringing in guys off the street. It's still pro hockey. It's still guys that are amongst the best in the world. And, yes... A lot of these guys aren't good enough. There's a reason they're there, right? Mm-hmm. Guys like Radish and Kachuk, who are in the Tampa Bay organization, they were deemed not good enough to be in Tampa at that time in a role that was high enough to help them win a cup. Doesn't mean they didn't play a role and win games and, yep. or, and, and play games, but now they're getting a bigger opportunity. And and so I'm I'm not going to be crapping on all these guys that – I recognize a lot of those names as guys that I watched and called junior hockey, and there was a lot of good hockey players in there, right? Yeah, doesn't I'm, mean not, they're, I'm not agreeing Doesn't mean them. they're great NHL players, but it's not like it's team stiff here. So Those are harsh words, actually, from yeah, a beat reporter. And, and that's and my point. That's, that's exactly what Ottawa has to, has to hold kind of like – 
They can't read nonsense like that, right? Right. They can't. They've got to go out and play their game, and if they play their game the way they've played their games the last few, then they're going to be in good shape. If not, any team can embarrass you at this level. Any team. There is, there's not one team in the NHL right now, and I get the Blackhawks are a much different team now than they were pre-deadline. But there's not one team in the NHL that's a true free spot in the bingo card. There's no Ottawa Senators 92-93. This team still won 21 games this year. So, yeah, not a great team. And they beat Ottawa not long ago. Yeah, they just beat Ottawa, exactly. And, yeah, not a great team, and they've lost... You know, 3-1 to the Preds and 5-2 to the Stars and 4-1 to the Coyotes and 4-2 to the Ducks. So there's there's some teams that haven't been good that they've lost to, but they're not they're not losing 8-1 every night. Mm-hmm. So and and guess what? We all know the coach there. And that's a coach with a lot of pride. And he's going to have the guys playing hard. Yep. He's just like Andre Tourney in Arizona, right? I'm not surprised. Like, these are two really bad hockey teams. Really bad hockey teams in terms of the talent they have. But guess what? Because Andre Tourney is coaching one team and Luke Richardson is coaching the other, these two teams have been competitive all season long. There's a Blackhawks team with 21 wins. You don't want to be 22. You've already, you've already given them one on the bingo card. So I, I don't want to hear anything about... This lineup that they ice tonight or any of that stuff, just go out, play your game, go, get the two points and move on. Survive in advance. Well, it's all that matters for Ottawa tonight is coming away with two points. Nothing else matters. I don't care if it's one nothing. Prefer it not to be 8-7, but you got to get it done. And I think that's why they're going back to Cam Talbot tonight again. Right? Like, yeah. let's keep the momentum going. And it looks like an easier game on the schedule. If you wanted, you could have given Cam Talbot, you know, from Saturday to Thursday off. No, I think you want to but, keep going with him. Then you want to keep going with him in Seattle, assuming things go well tonight. And then you split the two games on the weekend. Right. And you get, hopefully, Talbot ready to go against Edmonton again. Yeah, I think. In, in a perfect world, right? I mean, in the end, performance should dictate it. But in a perfect world, if both are playing well, Talbot's going the next two, and then you split. The two on the weekend, the back-to-backs with Vancouver and Calgary. Should see an energized effort, I think, again tonight for Alex to bring it. Some money on the board for him. And another reason individually to get up for a game. I think if you, if you can't get up for this game, you lost to the Blackhawks and let a bad lead slip away a couple weeks ago, and now how much it's going to mean to Alex to bring it and to keep the run going six in a row. They haven't done that for over five years. So if you can't get up for it, that's an issue, but I feel like they're going to only two guys. The other night didn't have a shot on goal, both forwards too. So all the defense getting in. Well, and back to our defense conversation, right? Mm-hmm. It was noted that this group offensively, it seems like they're getting a little bit more. Like even just the, the two games since Chikrin has been added to the lineup, they seem to be getting quite a bit of offense over the last handful of games from their blue line. 
And and in today's NHL, like the Buffalo Sabres are a prime example of a team activating their D. They get they get into the rush. They're they're almost like at times you watch video of the Sabres and it can be almost interchangeable in the offensive zone with forwards covering and defense pinching and and getting into the play, kind of like the Dutch total football that they played in the seventies, right? And and so you can't just win with your defense not contributing offensively. We saw exactly what a weapon it's been for the Colorado Avalanche when they won last year. And I think now with the group that they have, they've got some guys that should be able to create some offense back there. And I think we're going to see more and more of that as Sanderson matures, as Chikrin becomes more comfortable with his role here, as Shabbat plays a role that he's not being asked to play 26, 27 minutes a night. And then, you know, a guy like Brandstrom too, right? Who he's going to, right? There's an inherent bias, I think, against him in the sense that, Unfortunately, the, the the rule of thumb when it comes to small hockey players has always been that big guys have to prove they can't play and small guys have to prove that they can. It's not fair, but it's just a fact of the way it's been in hockey for a long, long time. But with a guy like Branstrom, he's going to be motivated to to play well and to play at a certain level. And maybe he can bring a little bit more offense, right? Because that's the knock on Eric Branstrom. He's taken some big strides this year. He's been better defensively. Mm-hmm. But as a smallish defenseman, you need to produce offense to be a long-term guy. And and maybe we can see a little bit more of that game. Everything else has come together. He's played pretty well, again. But if he can add that to his repertoire, then maybe he can convince you know, the coaching staff here and and others that he's a guy that you can't take out of the lineup and that take me out of the lineup at your peril. But I think a lot of that comes with a little bit of offense because if he's not giving you much offensively, then you can probably feel a little bit more comfortable to replace him with a Holden here and there just because you're saying, well, he's a small guy that's not producing, right? Mm -hmm. For sure. I don't disagree. If he's not producing offensively, Maybe you feel a little bit better defensively with Holden in the lineup. But, like I said, every defenseman had at least one shot on goal. They had 14 of them. Half of them from Travis Hamanick. Yeah. Which will not happen on a regular basis. But they had three goals and 14 shots in a 5-2 win from their defense corps on Saturday. I said it last week on Hamanick. I'll say it again. Right? A lot of people crapping on that trade, especially from Vancouver Mm -hmm. when it happened. It's been a real good trade for the Ottawa Senators. And you, you can say, well, they didn't have to give up a pick that high. Maybe you could have got him for a six. Well, clearly you couldn't because that's what the deal was. And in the end, Travis Hamannick has been good for Jake Sanderson, right? All we've seen is Jake Sanderson continue to get better and better with each game, with each week, and he's played with them all year. So he's been a real good mentor for Sanderson, and he's contributed to this hockey team. That, that's been a real good addition for the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, you don't talk about taking Travis Hamannick out of the lineup. No, it wouldn't even be a right. thought for me, right? Well, that's what I mean. And at I, the beginning of the year, I'm not sure I would have thought that he could get to that level, but he has. Good for him. One last break. 
We'll finish up and just a little bit more talk about the game tonight. 7 o'clock, the pregame, 9 o'clock, the drop of the puck. Ottawa looking for win number six in a row as they face the Blackhawks here on TSN 1200. The Drive continues on TSN 1200. Welcome back to The Drive. Libre say JJ Jackie back. Matt Connors Vita. It's not the Bengals, but it'll do. Played a little Reliant K. You like your... I do. <laughs> punk goes 80s. Yeah. Reliant K. Yeah. Manic Monday. All right, Sens and Blackhawks tonight. 7 o'clock to pregame, 9 o'clock the drop of the puck. Is there any way that we feel okay if the Blackhawks win tonight? No. No? Like not? No. Uh, like an amazing no. goaltending performance? No. They were bound to lose at some point? No. None of that? No, I, I feel like... It goes back to our web poll question of the day. For the tool and equipment store, how many points do the Sens need on this trip? I feel like six is the absolute bare minimum, but I'd I'd really like seven. I'd really like seven. I know seven's going to be tough because I know, like Seattle, we saw how Seattle comes at you in waves, right? We saw that when they came in here and they mm-hmm. they embarrassed Ottawa. Eight they've, on the board that night? Yeah, they've got a good team. And Edmonton is a team that Ottawa's had a lot of troubles with the last couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to get seven, you need to find a way to win your other three and get at least a point in those two games. And to me, those other two, Vancouver just beat Toronto on the weekend and they're, you know, they're at least competitive with Rick Tockett. And Calgary's fallen apart, but they still have enough talent there to come out and, and play a good game mm-hmm. and give you some troubles. That This needs to be the win, right? This needs to be, like if you're saying one win needs to happen, it needs to happen tonight because all those next four games are going to be, on paper, tougher than tonight if you play properly in the right way. But if you don't play properly in the right way, then you're going to get your team in trouble. If they play properly in the right way, like they did against Detroit, Detroit's a better team than Chicago, and Detroit had no answer for that. Mm-hmm. You got to treat the two points tonight like it was the two points at the end of the Detroit. You got two days off, right? You've you've had a tough schedule. Mm-hmm. I get it. Like it was five and seven, and now you're playing again. Go out, take care of business. Go enjoy yourself in Chicago tonight if you're staying. And then get back to work. You got a couple of days rest and get ready for what's going to be, you know, a real tough stretch the rest of this trip and then beyond. You can't, you already pissed away one point against these guys. You can't, you just can't. No 58 save performance. Don't want to hear about it. Okay. Go out and get the two points. Yeah, I feel the same way. I just wanted to ask. At some point, they're not going to win every game. From for here sure. to the end of the for season. For sure. And and you can't just say, oh, you're playing Calgary, win. You're playing Vancouver, win. You're playing 
Toronto loss. You're playing New Jersey loss. It doesn't work that way. And the, and the bottom line is if you did work it that way, they wouldn't make the playoffs because they've got six games, for example, against the top four teams in the league. So if you're just counting all those six as losses and you need to go 12-7-1, and one, well, guess what? There's not a lot of margin for error. Yeah, they also have Florida a couple of times that, who are right at the same spot as Ottawa to try and make the playoffs here. So this is a team that, unfortunately, they can't take their foot off the gas. They just can't. And they won't be able to for 20 games. It's hard to imagine a scenario where they're going into the last two or three games and they don't mean anything. It feels like if they're going to make the playoffs, they're going to make the playoffs probably on the last day of the year beating Buffalo. The Edmonton Oilers in Buffalo tonight to take on the Sabres. good. It's a good night to be an Edmonton guy who's uh, an Ottawa guy now. Go Oilers. And go Sands tonight. Yeah, we're all cheering for Edmonton. That's a 7.30 start, by the way. The over-under total, AJ, has risen. I can't remember the last time I saw a seven and a half game. Well, Oilers and Sabres, that'll do yeah. it. Yeah. Skinner and net for Edmonton tonight, Looks though. Like if, it was, if it was Jack Campbell, you'd, you'd hammer the over. Hammer it. And Craig Anderson's expected tonight. There you go. For the Buffalo Sabres. Other than that, like the first game tonight is that Buffalo Edmonton game, along with Winnipeg and San Jose, seven thirty start. So interesting night. And I think if you're a Sens fan, you can actually kinda get up to the television, seven thirty, Edmonton Buffalo. I mean, entertaining, top guys in the league, lots of goals, and it matters to your team. Before you switch it over at nine o'clock. It's good times. Imagining that's what we're all doing on a Monday night. You don't have to ask what people are doing on a Monday night when this ends now. Yeah, I'll be following the Oilers' score, but I'll, you know, certainly watching the Sens game against Chicago. It's always a great atmosphere in there. I mean, it's not a very good team. I get it, but it's always been a pretty good home ice advantage. And I'm not expecting a madhouse tonight like it's been in recent years, but you still got to take it seriously. Luke Richardson's going to have those guys ready to play. I can assure you that. And again, a lot of good hockey players there. Might not be great NHLers. I get it. It's a lot of good hockey players there. So I don't listen to the stiffs that have never played the game crapping on, on the lineup. Go out and take care of business. Well, we're about to find out. Graham Creech will have your pregame show. Just can't remember a time where you've looked forward to this this week and the next couple of weeks as well, much no, as this time. You can. It's 2017. 